You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Tigers on Tap, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Stepping up to the microphone are Trey Lasley and TJ Willis. Join the guys as they talk all things Memphis Tigers and their favorite beer. Turn your volume up, grab your favorite brew, and enjoy the conversation. Now, let's get to the show. What's up, what's up, what's up? We're back with another Tigers on Tap. TJ, my man, how's it going? No complaints, sir. No complaints. What's good, Tiger Nation? Good to hear it. All right, we are uh, we're back with another episode. Football season is officially here. I couldn't be more excited. We kicked off fall camp. TJ and, TJ and I were there day one. We've been to a couple practices since. Got a couple different things to talk about: football, basketball. Uh, we'll have uh, another episode coming up closer to the the start of the season, kind of a preview episode for you guys. But today we'll we'll jump into some things we've seen out at camp. Uh, talk a, a little bit of football stuff and then jump into some uh, recent basketball news we've had. But obviously, TJ, first things first, tonight is uh, it was your pick. So tell our uh, tell our listeners what we've got tonight. All right. Tonight on tap, we have Crosstown Vision Board Sour. Now, I am actually not a sour fan. I'm like the complete opposite end of the spectrum. I kind of actually hate sours. But this came recommended to me, uh, to us, from a good friend of ours. So uh, shout out to Drew and his wife, Brittany. They recommended this. It's a cool looking can if you're into that. Uh, so let's give it a whirl. I uh, I do agree on the can. And uh, like you said, shout out to Drew and Brittany for the recommendation. This is a pretty cool can. I do think that a, uh, a good looking can or a, a cool looking can adds to the to the rating a little bit for me, probably. Yeah, have to I'll start, give you bonus. Might have to start taking a little a more consideration into the cans going forward. Now you guys can't see this, but the can actually looks like it has bouncy balls. Would you say those are bouncy balls? Would you yeah, say yeah. I mean, they're yeah, they're definitely it's bouncy balls. Bouncy balls makes sense of it. I, I got nothing. But uh, yeah, cool looking can. I'm excited to try this. I will tell you, I just popped it open. And there is a hint of, uh, it says mixed berry, but folks, uh, TJ, uh, fun fact on TJ, he's allergic to strawberries. So uh, we do have a bottle of Benadryl on hand just in case, uh, just in case there's some strawberry in here and TJ's throat starts closing up. So you guys are listening. TJ sounds like he's uh, losing his voice or something. We might need to take a break and pop some Benadryl and we'll be back. But hopefully this doesn't have any any, uh, strawberry in it, right? It's kind of red. Does mixed berry? But does here that, I am. Is that count as strawberry? I feel like that's normally your blue. I don't know. It doesn't blueberry say, raspberry it just says mixed berry. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I we'll know. find out. Might have risking my life for you guys. Yeah, that's what blueberry I like. Though the people need it. All right, TJ. So, like I said, football season officially kicked off. We were there day one. Uh, it was awesome. I was pumped up. Energy level was sky high. Uh, 
Matt Barnes was flying around. The defense was flying around. Everything, everybody was flying around. It was great to see that energy level. I think we mentioned it uh, in our update on the message boards, but it will be interesting to see as we get, uh, you know, get further into camp if that energy level stays up. Right. I think it's easy, like we said, to get out there um, on day one and and be really excited and, uh, you know, energy through the roof. So it'll be cool to see like three, four weeks in as we get closer to state, how uh, if the the practices are remaining at that high level of energy. I mean, I don't have any reason to think that they aren't, but um, I think that was one of the bigger takeaways that I noticed being out there. Yeah, for sure. I, I think energy was definitely the first thing you noticed, and, and it came from Matt Barnes. Um, he's not the biggest guy. I, I don't know why I expected him to be bigger for some reason. Um, he's just kind of bouncing all over the place, and you kind of just see this guy kind of hop out from behind a line of players. He's you know, he's kind of ripping into him, but not in like kind of a douchey way, but it's more so getting on him for you know, keeping the intensity. You know, the, In the interviews they've talked um, – Players have talked with Kenny about it, how they're not allowed to kind of have their hands on their knees. Uh, it's kind of like that, right? He's just keeping a certain um, like a standard, I guess, from the players and really keeping them hyped up. But it was it was definitely very energetic. Yeah, you you mentioned uh, the hands on the knees things and players. I love that. I love the, you know, they've talked about, you know, not showing any weakness or signs of being tired, right? And I think that's a huge thing that we probably as fans like don't really pay attention to or think about that much. I mean, unless a guy is really dragging, like you and I have been out there and, and like, dude, that guy's dead. But from a, you know, like, I think that is a big thing and people probably pay attention to it more on the field than we realize. So that's, I thought that was very interesting for them to mention that. And, you know, when they're doing sprints and stuff, I think, you know, what they say, if they, if they put their hands on their hip, if they hands over the head, it show any sort of sign of fatigue, it's a tick and, on a board, a score marker, and they've got to do yeah. an additional sprint or something based on that. So that's huge that they're, I mean, they're, they're taking it so far as to paying attention to body language and, and, uh, you know, don't want to show any signs of, of weakness or tiredness when they're out there on the field, which I think can be huge from, uh, that kind of advantageous standpoint when you're playing somebody, especially deeper into the fourth quarter. But you mentioned Barnes, um, and, I, he's like a, I think I would love to play for Matt Barnes just based on some of the media availability, what I've heard. And then what we've seen at the few practices that we've been to, like, I don't know. He just fire. I'm not even out there like wanting to practice or anything. And then I see him, I'm like, where I give me some shoulder pads. I'm ready to rock and roll. Like, I think he's just a dude. And it seems like, you know, the defense loves him. Like the guys that are playing for him love him too. So, um, I really am excited about what we see from the defense um, I will say we've one, uh, one person did tell me that right now they would say that the offense is probably a little further ahead of schedule than where the defense is. And to me, that's, not, I don't know how you feel about that. That's not really a surprise. I would say with, I mean, I know you have a, a new coordinator in Cramsey coming in on the offensive side of the ball, but you're returning your quarterback, which I think is a big, the biggest piece you're returning basically, most of your linemen, besides Dylan Parham, obviously, I think you're going to have some shifting around and you had injuries last year, but a lot of the guys that we're anticipating kind of playing the majority of the snaps on the offensive line have been here, have played a lot of football. It's just about, you know, getting them that continuity and being on the line together and in the spots that they're in. So, um, and they're not 
really implementing a new system on the offense, right? We've heard this where their Cramsey came in, he kind of he kind of took what we were already running and he's just added some new wrinkles. He even went so far as, you know, learning the lingo that we already the team had already been using here instead of implementing, you know, an entire new vocabulary for the team, an entire new system. So with the defense coming in, making a total scheme change, going from the 3-4 to the 4-3, um, I think it just kind of makes sense that, you know, maybe the offense looks a little bit ahead of schedule right now. Um, but I, I don't think I don't think we should be worried about the defense at all. I mean, I, I think it was Coach Clark, Charles Clark, that uh, had availability, what was that, Friday? And, I mean, he, I think he put it in a good way that kind of gives me a lot of confidence going into the season. He basically said the new scheme just allows the guys to play more like play, play and react. Right. And that's not, I'm not, you know, appreciate Mike McIntyre. I, I think our defense could have been a lot better over the last couple of years, but essentially what I got from it was whatever scheme and, and the things that they were teaching when Mac was here was the players almost had to think too much. Right. Or they're like trying to, to read things and, and just think too much while they're on the field. And, and coach Clark basically made it sound like this allows them to, they understand concepts and schemes and what they're trying to do, but it also allows them just to play football and do what they know how to do. Right. And I think that's a much more advantageous spot to be uh, on that side of the football. You don't want to be thinking too much, just go out there, see the football, (laughs) get to the football and make the tackle. Right. Yeah, I, I think you nailed it. So, you know, if the offense does happen to be uh, further along than the defense, I, I think you and I agree that makes perfect sense, right? And it won't be too different uh, of an offense. You know, to your point, you kind of mentioned that Cramsey kind of took on the existing lingo. But also, if you just compare Marshall's offense last year to Memphis' offense, it's about a 20-yard difference uh, per game. So it's not a big difference. If you look at the rankings, I think it's – uh, Marshall was 16th in the nation in total offense and Memphis was 36. So it sounds like a lot, but in reality, they were just separated by 20 yards per game. So it's not anything crazy. Um, Marshall snaps it a lot faster. I think they ran a few more plays a game uh, than Memphis, but I wouldn't expect too much difference on the offense. Maybe just the personnel obviously is going to change, but uh, the type of offense of airing it out, but also having an established run game. I think we can go ahead and guarantee that. Um, the defense, I, I'm spot on. I actually really like Matt Barnes. I think he's going to be really good. Uh, he was not the first person I expected them to go after, uh, but he's definitely talented, right? I mean, he, he seems to have, if you just talk to him, he understands football so much and so well. And I think that he's he's going to put together a defensive scheme that is different than McIntyre in the sense that I think you and I were talking and McIntyre kind of had this bend, don't break mentality with the defense. Like it's okay to give up underneath routes, just don't get beat deep. And I think Barnes is going to have the defense kind of challenge some guys, right? You're not going to – it's okay to attack the ball and and to challenge these guys with contested uh, catches and things like that. It's not like kind of give them some padding. I'm expecting plays on the ball. I'm expecting – a lot of broken up passes, interceptions, and things like that. So, yeah, and just yeah, I think it's definitely going to be a good year. Yeah, you mentioned the bend don't break, and that, I think that was a good question you asked the other day to Barnes. Was you know we've kind of had that sort of uh, 
description of the defense the last couple of years, and you asked him what a Matt Barnes, what he would describe a Matt Barnes defense to be, and what he said, a uh, blue collar, right, like coming after attacking. And then I, I think I don't know if this was coincidence, but like the day after you asked that, uh, they posted on Instagram and Twitter sort of a defensive video from spring camp and it was fast and violent, which I freaking, I love that. That's so much better to me than the Ben don't break, like fly around the field and just be violent, get after the football, get after the quarterback, make them make quick decisions, get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible. Right. When we've kind of sitting there in this loose coverage, got three guys trying to get back there. You got a quarterback with all sorts of time. Eventually he's going to find somebody Right, so get after the quarterback, get there, get the ball out of his hands, and uh, you know, hopefully, there's some poor decisions, some turnovers, and the defense just uh, takes a total 180 this year and looks a lot better. Speaking of uh, the defense, there was uh, some portal news the other day. Uh, senior Mo White has entered the portal. Is that concerning to you at all and that i mean i think in what we've seen he didn't appear to be in one of those first four spots obviously he's not going to be on the end but it didn't look like he was going to be a d tackle spot right away so is that concerning does that concern you with depth or um no concern mm. from you there i mean it's a guy that has played i'd say a decent amount of football since he's been at memphis i mean i think we're talking 14 games I think he's played when I looked at the stats last. I mean, he's never done anything that stood out. Uh, I mean, three and a half sacks last year, I guess that's something to really kind of write off. But I think, you know, I don't want to assume the depth chart, right? Don't want to get in trouble there. But uh, I think there's been a lot of talk about Cameron Jackson and how Cameron has come about. And, you know, in interviews, you can hear them talk how – just how – I guess aggressive he is and kind of blowing through the pass rush and things like that. So I would expect them to kind of fill Mo White's uh, that spot with Cameron Jackson. And I think it's going to open the doors for some more young guys to kind of come in and get some serious snaps there. Yeah, I I agree. I think you're spot on Um, right there. So any, any other observations defensively from you that you uh, can think of anything interesting you've seen so far? Um. You know, I think we've seen a lot of good reps from some of the young guys, like uh, Cameron Jackson, obviously. Uh, we saw uh, Cameron Washington. It's a big guy, and he can move. He's, he's actually surprisingly kind of spry for uh, a guy his size. Yeah, they were doing a pursuit drill when we were there, and he, was, uh, he wasn't slow by any means. I mean, athletic duty was getting to the sideline very quickly. Yeah, I like um, – uh, Cormonte Hamilton, we've seen a lot of good snaps from, from Hamilton. I, I think that's a guy that, uh, you know, has an existing relationship with Barnes. Ian Barnes mentioned that in his interview the other day that, you know, he's known Cormonte for a couple of years and, and Cormonte is from Memphis. So there's obviously an easy connection for him to come back home. Uh, I definitely think we see Hamilton uh, play some good snaps this year. If, you know, just based off everything I've seen, it kind of seems like he is definitely going to be in that rotation for sure. Yeah. Um, what about from the the DBs? I know you asked Clark if if he thought this was the deepest uh, room he's had or we've had since he's been here, and I, I think he agreed with you that it was. 
Yeah, it, it it it's definitely probably the most talented, right? I mean, you have Quindell coming back; he's on his fifth year. Uh, you get Rodney Owens. I mean, those are arguably two of the best safeties we've had in a long time. I think there could be some argument for Jonathan Cook in there, maybe. But um, in terms of cornerback, Greg Rubin looked great as a freshman. Now, is he? going to be able to build off that? Is he going to have a, a TJ Carter freshman then followed by sophomore year? Uh, we don't know, right? You know, you want to see Greg keep building off that, but you also have guys, Savante Oliver's back for a fifth year. Uh, they are bringing in Davion Ross from Eastern Kentucky. Coach Clark seems to love him. He mentioned him by name the other day, talking about how he was a fast twitch guy. Yeah, uh, Clark and uh, Bankins both mentioned him. So yeah. you got your decor or your defensive back coach and the special teams. So I w- like I think you post on the boards. I would be surprised if we didn't see a whole lot of uh, Ross out there this year. Yeah, and I I still want to see Julian Barnett. You know, I we kind of missed him a lot last year. I think he was a little beat up. Uh, we didn't get to see him flash, but you got to think he was a wide receiver at Michigan State at first, and then flipped to DB. So he's still kind of learning the collegiate DB position. So there was going to always be some struggle there. Uh, and then he gets to Memphis, obviously still learning. Then he gets hurt. So we never really got a fair shot so far. So it'll be nice to see Barnett kind of get uh, his feet settled underneath him and start to show some promise there. And I'm not going to cross that out this season by any means. Yeah. You mentioned Barnett. I really hope that we get to see him too. I mean, there's just a big, a bigger bodied DB. Um, would love to see him out there and, and really contributing uh, this season. Had Have had high hopes since he joined, but like you said, it's just taken a little bit, uh, has some injury things, and then um, I guess just learning that side of the football as, as being a former wide receiver. So um, what about on the offensive side? I'll say first off, I'm fired up about Seth Hennigan. <laughs> I mean, he's put on 15, 20 pounds. He looks good. He, I mean, he's out there zipping the football. He, I can, you can kind of see that he's got it. I mean, I, I feel like Seth has always had a swagger about him. It's sort of like a, a more reserved swagger, which I think is even, I think that kind of swagger is like one of the most badass swaggers to have. Yeah, that's um, dangerous swagger. But he's also like, you can, he said it himself that he just feels more comfortable, right? This is his first camp coming in and he's not in a battle it's his team so he's he's more vocal he's more comfortable in that leadership role having you know been the starting quarterback for a year you come in an 18 year old freshman and I can imagine how you know intimidating that probably is or how you're kind of maybe not as vocal as you were as a senior on your high school team or or, you know after you have a year or two under your belt in college so um, I'm real how I'm really excited for Seth this year, I think we will be as good as Seth is, right? I think oftentimes in college football, the team that has a better quarterback is going to win. And, I mean, there's an argument. Obviously, people are going to say Clayton Toon, Tanner Mordecai, but I don't know that there's very many. And I would say him and Tanner, I mean, that could be a toss-up. Seth won it last year. But I don't know that there's really many besides Clayton Toon that arguably are better than Seth. So, more times than not, I feel like we're going to have the better quarterback on the field, which is uh, a pretty big, pretty big advantage, I would say. So, how how good do you think Seth can be? Oh, I, 
he can improve off last year, and I think that's crazy to say, right? You know, just looking back at last year and how good he really was, and you know, maybe some of that was inflated because of the struggles in the running game kind of later towards the end of the year, but we're still talking about a true freshman who threw for over 3,000 yards, um, what was it, 25 touchdowns, seven interceptions? I think it was eight. Eight, but okay. Yeah, something like that. I mean, I mean, what are we talking about? Like, I mean, 300 yards a game, like from a true freshman? Yeah. This was a kid. I mean, this guy is being kind of pulled in uh, unprepared, I guess is probably the easiest way to word that. Because if you think about it, you know, they come in. How long do they have? How many practices are we working with before the game starts? And yeah. so it's a lot to take in, you know, and especially for someone who's 18, you're just starting college, you're really trying to live your life, but also be a, a football player and kind of taking it all in. And, and Seth was great with that. He was very mature to be able to take that in and uh, kind of take the reins. And now he's got, you know, the extra weight. He's got the experience under his belt. The confidence, um, you know, he mentioned yeah, in that interview like, that started last year, he was apprehensive to run the foot, which is, I mean, it's understandable, right? Like, like we said, sure. you come in as maybe a, a scrawnier 18 year old and you're playing an SEC defense. Uh, I don't know that I would necessarily want to take off around the corner um, either, but he's, you know, he's got that confidence, like you said, put on the weight. Um, I think he can be really, really good. So um, I, excited about I think that uh, East Carolina game got to him. Yeah. Because that was the game he really started just kind of tucking it, running, and and not like for his life. It was just like first check, second check. Okay, look to the ground. There There's it is. Nothing Pick there. Up, you yeah. know, five Pick yards. Off. Yeah, definitely get your got, five yards. So that it does make me think. You know, I mean, there may be, and he's not. I would say he's a pretty decent ball carrier too. I mean, he's not. I wouldn't call him a true a true dual threat, but I mean, he's kind of kind of like Paxson was. Like if he if we need yardage, he can get it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think that Seth is gets enough recognition nationally? Because I a hundred percent do not think that he does. I mean, he was a freshman All American, and he's v- virtually gotten zero uh, recognition preseason this year. The Maxwell came out. The watch list. There's. Several AAC players listed on it. Three quarterbacks, Clayton Toon and Tanner Mordecai, who we've already mentioned, Houston and SMU. And then I'm about to flip out saying this name, but freaking Michael Pratt from Tulane is on the Maxwell watch list, and Seth Hennigan is not. I don't. I it makes zero sense to me. I know that we've struggled with Tulane recently. We did beat them last year, but the fact that he is on the Maxwell watch list and Seth is not is absurd to me. Well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're benefiting the guy. They're, they're saying, here's some bonus points because you run the ball because your team is not good enough at, uh, at blocking. So your scramble is going to pay off. Right. I mean, I guess for what it's worth, he did put up like eight rushing touchdowns last year. Yeah. I mean, they have, that's not bad. Decently similar. I mean, Seth threw for a thousand more yards, uh, was hurt. It missed one game for sure. That Navy game he didn't really throw because obviously he hurt his shoulder. Uh, I don't know. It's just – I just don't think that Michael Pratt is 
better than Seth Hennigan. So for him to be listed on that watch list and Seth not is just mind boggling to me. But there was a there was another second year guy, right? Because he's a second year guy. Hey, he's a second year guy. So what? Who cares? He was a freshman All American. He doesn't get enough credit. No, I'm saying Michael Pratt is a second year guy, and he he's still being you know shown out by a true freshman. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm agreeing with. I that. thought I you were saying Seth that. wasn't on the list because he'll be a, this is his second year. I see no, what you're saying. No. Um, yeah, and then there was another. I think it was maybe Barstool. Somebody posted something that was like top five group of five. Uh, quarterbacks and Seth didn't make any of their list and I just don't it doesn't make sense to me I just don't think that they're I mean again a a freshman all-american he had a hell of a year last year as a true freshman and he's only going to be better this year like he even said it himself he came in he's an 18 year old kid he was seeing things he had never seen before in his life defensively scheme wise and he's got a full year of experience. He's been, I mean, he said it himself. He's been studying all, they didn't have to put a freaking Kyler Murray study clause on him. Cause he's in there putting the work in himself already. The kid loves the game. So, I mean, he's got a year of experience. He's got film to watch. He knows what he needs to do. I think he's going to come out and, and be really, really good this year. Definitely. Without question, he should be at least top three in the American Top two, statistic. Sure. I think it's him and two. You think top two? I don't. I just I, Mordecai's good. I mean, he slings the football, but he's not a free. He doesn't have the swagger. He's not a freaking winner like Seth. It puts Seth above for me. Seth's top two. Nobody else in the conference matters. Especially not freaking Michael Pratt. Ridiculous. Definitely not Michael Pratt. Freaking plays for Tulane. So dumb. Um. I will say, I say all of that, and then, of course, Seth did get added to the, this sounds like a made-up watch list, but the Earl Campbell Tyler Rose Award watch list, um, which is for, like, an outstanding collegiate player that also displays, I don't know, like, off-the-field stuff, too, I think. But So he got a little bit of recognition, but I just think, overall, nationally, he does not get enough credit uh, for how good he's been, and uh, I just think he's going to, He's going to put up some really good numbers this year, and and people that don't have them on their radar will definitely know who he is. Um, the other thing that's kind of come out of a fall camp that I've I've noticed, and I mean it's been a struggle the last couple of years is the running game, but I mean, Coach Silverfield mentioned it in his availability. It sound you know they don't want to do the whole running back by committee thing. I think you were forced into it a little bit last year, just given some of the injury situation you ran into. And then obviously some struggles with turnovers, but um, it really sounds like they're trying to identify that one or two guy that they, they rely on and and really feed. Um, And I feel like we're deep. So I'm very interested to see who that could be. Do you, I mean, who do you think is going to end up standing out out of that group? I think it's going to be Brandon uh, Thomas. I think he will definitely get the start. He is just such a good overall, like kind of all-around back, right? You saw him start off last year. I mean, he put up a video game stat versus Nichols. And then Arkansas State was ridiculous. Obviously, the game was closer than it should have been. I think Brandon kind of uh, 
kind of buried that one, I thought, but maybe not. And uh, you kind of hit the buzzsaw of Mississippi State, UTSA, who were actually just good at stopping the run. Like, if you look at the statistics, they were both, I think, in the top 15 or top 25 of run defense. So it wasn't like the lack of production there showed uh, his inability to run the ball. I, I think it really came when once he got hurt and the uh, offensive line started struggling with its injuries as well. And I would be shocked if it's not Brandon to start the season. If he goes down, if he gets hurt, I think you will get uh, Ducker. If he is ready to go, uh, you know, he's still kind of learning this whole thing. I, th- I think a lot of people are really excited about him after his uh, season in the MAC. Uh, and then, of course, um, Dreek Clark. I-, I-, I see no reason he should not get some serious looks. Same with Asa Martin. I- Here's the problem with this is that I could argue every one of them should have a, a serious contention at, at getting serious minutes because they're all good. And you hear the staff say that over and over and over again. And it's a good problem to have, but it's also like, damn, what? Like, you can make an argument for all of them, right? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think right now, it's it's got to be BT. Um, I I do think he's the best back in the room as long as he's staying healthy, and we saw glimpses of that in the first half of the season. Like you said, it was just injuries kind of sidelined him and then he struggled kind of the rest of the year to get back in the groove. So I think it's, I think it'll be Brandon. Um, I really would love to, I'm a big Asim, Asim Martin fan. I think that I would like to see Asa kind of fill in some secondary uh, carries there as the number two guy. Um, But I will be interested. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that as camp, is continuing to go on just to see who does step up and um, hopefully we do come out and have really one true starting running back and we're not splitting six, seven, eight carries amongst four or five guys uh, every game. Yeah. You and I are both big ASA guys, just his flexibility. I mean, he's, I'm not going to say anyone is Tony Pollard because Tony Pollard is just a special, a special guy and a special breed of his own, but like he's, about as close to Tony Pollard as you can get, you know, does just doesn't have the sample size to kind of back it up. Yeah, and I, I mean, you know, some people will say that this doesn't matter, um, but historically we've we've named a starting running back and a starting tailback, right? So that's and I think Tony was always sort of that they the tailback is like that hybrid they'll line you up in the slot kind of thing. Um, one name we haven't mentioned that I think could really play that role is Andarius Kofi Coffee. And we've heard a lot about just how how fast he is. I think we saw a little bit of that in the spring game and his shiftiness and um but I just I don't know that he would be like that main running back, right? He's gonna be more of that hybrid kind of line him up and get him the ball in different ways, uh, type of thing. So just when you, you talk about Tony Pollard made me think of uh coffee and and get me excited about what we might be able to see from him this year yeah that's that's definitely a guy a lot of different things just with his flexibility he was a high school quarterback so you know he has the ability to throw the ball tim cramsey loves uh trick plays so i'm not crossing anything out right there you know we, we've seen Dreek clark throw a 40 yard pass last year so a, a freaking bomb a great arm yeah it was right on the money there's Great just so home. many options, right, with, with special and trick play, things like that. Um, Kofi definitely is a guy you get the ball into space, and we'll see what happens. 
I think Sutton Smith is the same way. You know, that's a guy you get the ball in space and kind of see what he can do with it. And um, it kind of feels like the uh, Norvell offense that that logo or the slogan of uh, a playmaker or an offense for playmakers kind of situation. Like I think that's what they're going to try to get back to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and really just try to make big explosive plays because they, they did do that at Marshall every now and then as well. So, so on, on to some staff stuff, obviously the biggest news, exciting news, doctor of football himself, the goat of Memphis quarterbacks as of today that have since graduated from the university because that throne could be taken if uh, a goat continues on the path that he is on. But as of today, right now, Dr. Brady White, the godfather of Memphis football, has joined the staff in the uh, wide receiver room, which some people were asking, like, why isn't he with the quarterbacks? And, I mean, if you Kenny's, Kenny posted this, um, and I think they mentioned it in his interview on the Off the Boards uh, podcast, if you all haven't listened to that. But just from the perspective of having a quarterback in that wide receiver room and being able to tell those wide receivers kind of from their perspective, from his perspective as a QB, like what they're expecting, you know, what Seth may be looking for them to do, I think is just a huge piece and can be very vital for that, that team. And, um, you know, I, I don't know how much of the route uh, sort of system that they're running as they were when Norbell was here, but, uh, you know, there was always some sort of read that both the quarterback and the wide receiver were having to make. And so oftentimes when you saw some of those like head scratching throws from Brady, it's because those, the wide receiver and Brady didn't make the same read. So I think it's, if they're still doing some of that, it's helpful to have Brady in that room to say, Hey, this is the read that, that I would make as the quarterback and what you guys should be seeing, uh, as well. And, and hopefully get them kind of matched up, um, and on the same page with Seth. Yeah, it's a spot on thing. I think it's great to get Brady in there because it's it is having a quarterback on the field, kind of you know pumping these wide receivers full of knowledge, saying like, "Hey, this is what we're looking for." Like, I understand you have your read, but understand that if this guy's on your inside shoulder or this guy's on your outside shoulder, and the kind of release that we're looking for, and just the break and the timing, I, there's a lot of little things that I think play into that that maybe you and I would overlook, right? I think when everyone heard Brady was coming uh, to join the staff, everyone's like, oh, he's going to work with the quarterbacks. He's going to help Seth out. Like, maybe he can be a successful. Yeah, stop it. Co-OC. Stop it. And, um, you know, everyone jumped to that. But then, like, oh, he's actually working with the wide receivers. And you're like, oh, well, that's weird. And then you kind of think about it. And you're like, actually, damn, that makes makes perfect sense, right? And you get it. Cramsey works a lot with the quarterback, so I think adding a new guy in there kind of late at the at the last second like, may kind of confuse things, but adding at the wide receivers, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, so, yeah, excited to have, have Brady back on staff. Um, I think that got a lot of people excited, too, just because of the success he, he brought to the program. So good to have him back. Also, very, I wouldn't say interesting, but it's a, I would say, a very telling thing that he chose to come back and, and work under uh, Silverfield. They obviously have a very good relationship, but um, you know, he could have very easily probably joined Norvell staff at Florida state if he wanted to, but um, obviously is a big proponent of our, our program, the city of Memphis enjoyed his time here. So it's cool that he's come back and, and has given back to the program. So 
Dr. White, if you're listening, we know that you are. Uh, grab yourself a vision board from Crosstown, and uh, we appreciate you. So with that, TJ, we'll take a, uh, a little break, and when we come back, we'll uh, jump into the basketball side. we got some basketball news to cover. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, welcome back. Time to uh, dive into a little bit of basketball. We've had some news um, lately. I think one of the bigger pieces maybe is Alo Alex Lomax coming back. I think officially, I mean, he tweeted the other day something about come out and bowl with me and my teammates, so I think that pretty much solidifies that he will be back. Um, I like it. I know a lot of people don't. A lot of people... Do not think that uh, Alo is a very good option for us at point guard, but we haven't had a true point guard on our team since Penny. I mean, we had Jeremiah Martin the first year, right? But since then, we haven't had a true point guard. And Kendrick Davis is your starting point guard. Alex will be a backup. And I think that that is a perfect role for Alex Lomax. I think this will be Alex's best year. I think he has had stretches that have been very, very good. Um, but I think this is the perfect role for a fifth-year senior. I mean, that's a huge relief, right? You've got a fifth-year guy that's a senior leader, the rest of the team. I mean, they've mentioned it before. He just kind of brings this calming presence on the floor for people. And even if it's nothing more than just like a practice, somebody for Kendrick to go up against every single day in practice. I mean, we all have seen how scrappy and how good of a defensive player Alex is. So even if it's just Lomax being there in practice every day to challenge Kendrick, I love him being back. Definitely. I I was never an anti-Alex guy. I think he caught a lot of uh, maybe just undeserved uh uh, negative connotation and everything like that towards his skill. And uh, he is what he is, right? Yeah, he, he's definitely a defensive first point guard. He's been with Penny for so long. So Penny's loyal to him. You know, a, a lot of it came down on Alex when probably it should have been coming down on Penny for, you know, playing Alex during his times of struggle. But 
here nor there. I love that the guy is back. I, I, coming off your bench, that's great. It's going to be a wonderful story. Uh, I think we'll have several moments throughout the season where Alex will, you know, def- make some type of defensive play that is a turning point either in the game or uh, it could even potentially win you a game and sell it like that. So I, I think it's great. You know, I, I do know that a lot of people are worried that Penny will play Alex over uh, Kendrick. That's absolutely not going to happen. Kendrick is so good. I don't think we should have to kind of tell anyone that, you know, we've seen Kendrick play and Kendrick has torched us before. Like he is so good. There's no logical explanation for that to ever happen. And I know Penny does weird things, but as we've said before, stop questioning him. The guy has proved us wrong again and again and again. Uh, It's going to be great. And I I think we're definitely going to be appreciating the final year of ALO. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I too have never been one to kind of go against ALO. Um, I've never once felt like ALO cost us a game or anything. Sure, he makes boneheaded plays. He turns the ball over. But literally so does everyone else on our team the last several years. Um, granted, ALO's a point guard. He's supposed to be the guy that's taking care of the ball. But He's also made a ton of winning plays that stand out. I mean, in that Boise State game, the plays that he were making down the stretch to keep them kind of at bay and for us to to pull through and, and win that game. He did it against South Florida a couple years ago where he made the game ceiling steal um, in a game that we were probably going to lose to South Florida at home. Like, I just feel like they're more often than not, he's laying – He's giving everything, every everything he has every time he's out there. Like I said, sure, he's not the best skilled offensively. Um, he turns the ball over, but I've never once felt like Alo cost us a game. But I can remember several occasions where he's for sure made a play that won the game for us. So I think it's a perfect spot for him. I think it's going to relieve some of the pressure he's probably felt too. Um, and I think it's going to be a really, really good year for Alo. Um, and the Tigers. So pretty pumped up about that. Um, Secondly, another addition here late that none of us really saw um, coming internationally, Penny hitting the uh, Barcelona market uh, in Granger, a uh, 6'6 or 6'7 sort of wing, looks to be a spot-up shooter, I guess. I'm going to be honest, his... What I've seen on film doesn't really get me too excited. Uh, I think I posted on the boards. I mean, it looked like he was playing in an ECS alumni league. So not the stiffest of competition, it didn't appear. Um, and his numbers don't really excite me. I mean, it's fine, right? It's you're gonna you need guys that are coming in that can develop potentially. I just nothing against Ian, nothing against this whole situation. I just don't know that I really think it'll work out. It seems like a one year kind of thing. And then he's gone and we never really hear or see anything from him again to me. Kind of, hopefully I'm wrong. I hope that I am. And he turns into a great four year player develops, becomes a awesome sharp shooter for us. But um, I mean, just looking over his production the last couple of years over and I think he played last year in the Czech Republic and then the previous two years in Barcelona for their under-18 team. I mean, three years ago, shot 21% from the field, 33 from three, which is not good at all. I mean, that's decent from three. 
he's kind of his three point percentage has gone down every year. I mean, last year in the Czech Republic, uh, played 19 games, shot 25.6% from three, 50% from the field, which is good. Um, but I, I mean, that's just not, it's not really great. It's not, it's not somebody I would really label a shooter. So, um, I don't know, need to see more from him, but it didn't get me terribly excited. I mean, you know, we have a couple of scholarships, so I'm glad we're getting them filled. But to me, it's just, that's not, it's not really a addition that I'm kind of really too excited about. Yeah. I think it was just more of a free shot from Penny. You know, he, um, he is six, 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 seven. So automatically good size. I, I think what you're going to get from him is he kind of looks like he is a six, 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 seven, uh, maybe a shooting guard, but he's just, you know, from film, I don't want to judge the guy from already. I, I just, from what I've seen on YouTube and stuff like that, he, he just looks slow. And so I think he gets kind of pushed to the, the wing label. Um, and, you know, I don't know what exactly he's going to play when he gets here. And he could be good when he gets here. I have literally no clue. Um, but I'm kind of with you. I, I'm not exactly sure. I am too blown away from this. But he is young. He's probably raw. You know, players over there do not get the same uh, training and the same exposure to uh, certain uh, basketball training and things like that that you would get here. So uh, maybe you could blossom into something. But um, – yeah. Some some would argue differently that the uh, the Euro academies do a little bit better job of development and in their training. Yeah, I, that makes sense. I, I guess right. I mean, I, it's probably why the NBA is full of European players and not uh, more American players. That's sarcasm, yeah, probably. by the way. Well, <laughs> we'll see. I, I'm actually again, more curious. Just, I don't know how the hell Penny found this guy. I, I'm, I'm under the influence that maybe someone on the Grizzlies staff just threw him a bone. It was like, hey, look, we stumbled upon this guy. Because outside of uh, Get Better Academy's Twitter and uh, CBB Europe. I Twitter, feel like it was one of those situations where uh, Penny tweeted out something, you know, like, Hey, here's the non-conference schedule, and then you see those recruits that pop up under responding. You're like, "Hey, check <laughs> out my highlight tape on Huddle." And uh, I don't know, maybe Penny just happened to see In's tweet and was like, "Hey, these are these, you look pretty good. Why don't you uh, come on down to Memphis? We'll fly you out here, give you a scally, and see if you can't work out for us." You think he's been here? No, virtually. It's gonna blow his mind to see a pyramid that's a Bass Pro, probably. <laughs> You think he's ever heard of a Bass Pro? And then to see that it's in a massive pyramid? I hope he shows up rocking the Bass Pro trucker hat, though. That's what I want. He could. Those are those are in for some weird reason. I don't know why. You have one, DJ? I don't. I could probably get one, though. Just I want to be like the cool kids. Yeah. Yeah, you are all, all over the TikTok, so... You just throw on you a Bass Pro hat and you're ready to roll. <laughs> well, anyway, that's for uh, the the two players. So Alo returning, Ian joining. Um, the other big news out of the basketball side was the out-of-conference schedule released. Um, we're not going to go into the timing of that and when they decided to release it. No, we're definitely going to go into that. I will say, 
we're definitely going to go into that. It was uncalled for. Football gets one day a year. It was jacked up. Everyone knows it. I'm over it. I'm moving TK, on. You're going to piss people off. I agree on. with I'm you, but on. you're going to you're going you're gonna to piss people off. There go the eleven listeners that we have. Six of them are gone now. <laughs> um, in all seriousness, no, I am pretty pumped up about it. It is definitely the best out of conference schedule we've had uh, in a couple years. I would say. Strange to me, though, that we are. I don't know what's what's going on over there at uh, in the athletic building, but starting both football and basketball, starting with back to back true road games. I don't know. I don't know the last time. I mean, we. I think we looked at it for football. I don't, I can't even remember the last time we started a true road game just one for basketball. I mean, I know we've played in some neutral side stuff, but so starting at Vandy and then at St. Louis, I mean, tough little, and I mean, not two great teams, but uh, I mean, those are no cakewalks uh, at all. Obviously you've got the two exhibitions tune up games before that, but decently tough start there for uh Penny and Kendrick and squad just to kick the year off. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually really cool, right? I don't – St. Louis, I think I kind of like that rivalry that we've kind of opened up there. It's not really a rivalry yet, but I like that we're, we're kind of getting the home and home versus each other because St. Louis is not that far away. As we learned, it's right down the street from the Mecca of Memphis, so it's really not too far away, uh, especially opening with at, – I guess at Vanderbilt. It's fun to get any type of SEC school in there. Uh, you kind of get that Penny Jerry Stackhouse thing going, so that's always fun as well. Yeah, I I do like it too that they're both very uh, very drivable games for fans. They're decent. They're good opponents. Vandy SEC. They should be okay. I mean, I, I would predict that both of those teams finish in the top seventy five, so those should both be quad one opportunities, right? I think. Bandy was like 500 last year, but they still finished right around 75. I would say they, they should, at the minimum, be about that again. And then I think St. Louis is predicted to be one of the better teams in the A-10. So um, I wouldn't be shocked if that's another you know quad one uh, for us. So, And again, both being drivable, I'm going to definitely probably try to make uh, both of those games. But... Um, I like the start. I, I, I wish one of them was at home, but uh, two good opponents. And then wrapping up November with VCU at home, we've kind of had a little bit of – we played them in some early season tournaments uh, here and there, but cool that the uh, the Rams will be coming into the FedEx form, another really solid opponent. And then we'll follow it up with the uh, ESPN events tournament over Thanksgiving first-round game against Seton Hall and then playing uh, – the winner or loser of Oklahoma, Nebraska. So good little field down there with Seton Hall, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Florida State, Stanford, Ole Miss, and Siena. So a good little event for uh, the Tigs down in Orlando. Yeah, how about um, the, the the first five games that we play? You are five of five for playing a top 75 team from last year's net ranking. Yeah, I mean, right, right out the gate, you've got – an opportunity to come out and get some quality wins that come March can be, uh, can be really good on your resume. So, I mean, no, no lack of opportunity here for, uh, for Penny and the team to uh, start the year for sure. 
Um, coming back from, from the event in Orlando, we all host North Alabama at home. And then I would say this is definitely the toughest stretch by far that the Tigers will have. Um, you kind of go into a little bit of a, an SEC, a mini SEC slate here with the with a couple uh, games mixed in. You got Ole Miss at home, so definitely revenge game from last year with the uh, Rebs coming into the FedEx form. You get a little bit of a step back, but still a really solid team in Little Rock. Um, so, so a game I would expect us to win, but you know, not a not a cakewalk for sure. And then you've got um, the Alabama. Cruz, so Auburn, and then Auburn, I think that's a game in Atlanta. It's uh, kind of one of those, it's at State Farm Arena in Atlanta. It's one of those like Saturday events where there's multiple games played. Um, and then at Alabama, so the return game from last season where we, we hosted them, we'll go down to Tuscaloosa um, and face Alabama. And then four days later, uh, bring the Aggies of Texas A&M uh, into Memphis at the FedEx Forum. So a tough stretch there for sure for three of which should be very, very good SEC teams. I think Ole Miss will be decent, um, but a tough little stretch there for uh, for Memphis. Probably will be the toughest of the year, I would say. A very important stretch. That's definitely a, a spot where you throw a little rock in there. I think you want to win, you know, best best case scenario, you go 5-0, and but, you know, four games probably – Minimum. If you can go four and one in that, I think that's a really good stretch. Yeah. It, first of all, shame on you for not mentioning the return of Preston Laird on that December sixth Little Rock game. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Preston. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Preston. We'll uh, we'll be making his return to the Phoenix form as an assistant coach. Yeah. So I like the Ole Miss game. I, I think that is always fun to play them. I think that uh, they don't have the best team. Right. Uh, let's just keep it real. I mean, they, they finished at 110, which is super respectable, but I think they lost a couple of guys uh, due to transfers and things like that. Uh, Auburn is obviously a machine that they were really good last year. Uh, Except for, uh, don't know if you saw this, they lost to the Israeli national team last night or yesterday. So I don't know if they've started up the fire Bruce threads over there on uh, Auburn's message board, but. I don't know. It might not be the the uh, the Auburn Tigers year. That's a tragedy. But yeah, yet so Auburn still going to be a good team. Maybe the Israeli national team is just really good. It's uh, uh I, I would doubt that. I mean, I'm sure they've got some <laughs> some basketball players, but uh, Auburn probably shouldn't be losing to them. You get Alabama at Alabama. That's actually that's a tough matchup. Especially if NATO's still got everybody firing away from three over there. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. They they had such an up and down year last year. I think they it's probably more of the same. That's just kind of NATO's style. They live and die by the three. So um it's also gonna be right after the SEC football championship. They're probably still gonna be high on football, especially if they've made the college football playoffs. So I feel good about it think the Tigs and Kendrick can go down there and, and steal one out of uh, out of t- out of T town. You got to get down there. That's the key. You got to get down to to these school and and Auburn. You got to get down to these SEC schools when it's still football season. That's how you sneak out of there with a win. So setting up well, and then didn't mention it. 
not that we really need to, but final final out of conference home game will uh, another. We're hitting the whole state of Alabama except for UAB, Alabama State. That's what one, two, three. That's four Alabama schools. Penny going hard after the Bama, Bama basketball. Good scene down there in Alabama for basketball, I guess. We, yeah. I mean, anytime you can get in front of a different fan base than you typically are in front of all the time, I think it's good, right? Yeah. So, all things considering, I, I'm excited about it. I think it's a really good schedule. Definitely better than what we've uh, we've kind of seen recently. So, pretty pumped about that. But by all means, it's football season. That's enough basketball talk. Uh, one final thing, we'll mention some baseball when we went out there for, uh, we've gone out there for spring practice, um, doing updates to FedEx park. Uh, I think they're adding a new nice video board out there. And then, uh, it looked like they were, they've taken down the outfield wall. I think they're just doing some improvements. So cool to see, uh, baseball getting some love there. Excited to see what that, that turns out to be. Yeah. I think this is all a gift from the, uh, Avon Fogelman. Uh, $1.5 million gift to improve home of tiger baseball uh, donation. He made, I think a couple of years ago, they've actually ripped up the entire field. It, it's a giant dirt field right now. They're redoing everything. Nice. wonder if they're throwing out the, uh, probably using the old Liberty bowl turf. They're going to put it in the infield. <laughs> I'm kidding. They Let's hope not. That. Be hideous. Nothing worse than a turf baseball field. Um, yeah, so TJ, you got anything else? I think that'll wrap up uh, today's episode. No, I think uh, we've touched on everything we need to in terms of kind of what we got going forward. I think we are going to eventually dive into a uh, kind of a, a season preview, on kind of what we think, uh, you know, what the season looks like. Maybe some win-loss records. Maybe throw some score predictions in there. I don't know. Get weird. Anything from you? Yeah, we could uh, we'd do that. We might uh... – might take some questions. I think that would be cool. So we might uh, yeah. post a thread on the board, get some questions from you guys as we head in the season um, and go from there. But uh, I think it's time, TJ, to uh, to get on this vision board and, and give a ranking. All right. If I – this is tough. And I noticed your throat didn't close up, so there must not be any strawberry in there. I don't I didn't know. see you have to pop the Benadryl, so that's a good sign. My face is clearly flushed. It feels warm, so I'm not scratching. You, I mean, you look out. a little, you look a little bit puffy, but it could just be the lighting. Yeah, we're gonna blame the lighting. Um, I don't love sours. Again, I don't love sours. It's it's not that. I mean, we got to stop picking beers that you don't love. I mean, this is turned the into people the, what they we're going to pick beers Trey. that TJ hates. You give the people what they want. They 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 asked me to try this beer. I try the beer. You know, I'm a man of the people. It is what it is. Um, I will I will be nice and give this a five point four <laughs> out of ten. That is a real low rating, and I think it's. It's far too low. I th- it's a good beer. Um, I'm obviously a bigger fan. I, I don't. I wouldn't say I love sours. I do enjoy sours. I think this is a good beer. Um, again, mentioning the can that gives it bonus points for me. It's a great looking can. Uh, I think cross. It's a good beer. Mixed berry. Um, I'm gonna go seven one. Oh, wow. Throwing in the uh, bonus for the the can. It's. 
I'm, I'll tell you my very first sip. Also, it's got a hint of like reddish color to it, which I wasn't expecting. Yeah, that's the or strawberry. pink, I guess, maybe. But I, I popped it open and the it, the foam started coming out pink and kind of threw me off. But the initial sip was very sour. Um, I also feel like I've had a couple warheads. My tongue has got that like, I don't know, that sour feel on it. It's a good beer. I don't know that I would drink more than one at a time. I mean, I would definitely drink this again, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not packing a cooler full of these and taking them down to, to Tiger Lane and then rolling six, seven deep of Vision Boards, into the UCF game. But seven uh, one overall, it's a pretty good beer. I, I enjoyed it. I would drink it again for sure, um, but I'm not crushing them by any means. So. All right, uh, for TJ, this is Trey. That'll wrap up uh, this edition of Tigers on Tap. Come with a cold beer. Stay for the hot takes. Peace. Thank you for listening to Tigers on Tap. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast. If you are interested in content all about the University of Memphis Tiger Athletic Program, hop over to www.gotigers247.com. New articles are published daily. And you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for VIP. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So so. So so. So so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.